0: Hello Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the Dogland podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. As always, I got Jackson McCurry rolling along with me, Jack, man, how's your weekend? How you doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. The weekend was good. Um, you know, actually, you know, for anybody that's looking to watch stuff on TV, I'll go ahead out of the way and recommend on Peacock. If you're a wrestling fan, even if you're not the Cody Rhodes documentary American nightmare becoming Cody Rhodes just got released on Monday. Very great documentary. Uh, it's about two hours long, but definitely worth the time. If, if you like a feel good story, somebody that, you know, started out like at the top of the world, went down to the bottom, reinvented himself and rose back up from the ashes. It's a great story. Whether you're a wrestling fan or not, it's really great. Um, but overall weekend was good. Spent time with my girlfriend, Spent time with family, uh, Got in the gym, got a good couple workouts in, uh, everything was good, man. How was your weekend?
0: It was good, it was busy. Um, I'm gonna have to check out that one. And then I've been meaning to watch too the new uh Steph Curry documentary that came out. I watched him on Hot Ones the other day, and um, uh, you know, as much as we hate Golden State, you know, he's a he's a likable guy, and I, I think that uh I'm gonna have to watch that at some point here. Like you, got in the gym as well. I am beyond sore at the moment. I uh, New guy worked me out, you know, pretty hard today uh, doing some personal training stuff uh, to help get into shape. So my legs are killing me. Uh, but, you know, we're here. We got a lot of Brown stuff to cover, you know, training camp uh, at the Green, Greenbrier uh, wrapped up this weekend. And, you know, as always, there's plenty of news in those to, to go over. And we'll start with this. Uh, the Browns brought in uh, veteran defensive tackle Shelby Harris uh for a visit and a workout today. Uh Harris uh spent last year with uh Seattle, uh was with Denver mainly before that. Um, you know they did release uh Perrion Winfrey uh about a week and a half ago, and you know they we always thought that they could have used somebody anyway. Uh, an additional guy at defensive tackle. So what are your thoughts about them bringing in Shelby Harris for a workout? And I know we've been, you know, clamoring for Matt Ioannidis as well. Uh, But I I guess with both these guys, you know, could the money work uh, for these two types of, of veteran players?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been saying defensive tackle is definitely a pressing need on this team, Um, even more so after they released Winfrey, but I always felt like they could add somebody. You know, we've been clamoring for Matt Ioannidis, but Shelby Harris has been at the top of that list as well. Uh, it's a guy that, you know, has been excellent to stopping the run, and he's excellent at pressuring the quarterback. You look at the last four years, he's had at least 27 pressures uh, per year, getting after the quarterback. Uh, he had seven sacks in 2021. He had two last year. Anthony, there's this, this weird trend where it's every other year. Uh, he's been had, he's had at least five sacks. And then the next year I'll have around two or three last year he had two so if we sign him there's a good chance he's probably going to get at least five or six sacks on this uh Browns defensive front uh if you look at the trends but yeah i mean they brought him in for a visit and a workout as well they did sign a corner among the players they did work out today so uh but you know based on and i i just going with what i heard I heard there's a pretty good chance that the Browns are going to sign Shelby Harris. I know Brad Steinbrook from the OBR mentioned in insider central that the Browns and Harris have been in talks for a couple of weeks now. So hopefully, you know, they were able to finalize the deal. Maybe we'll hear something Tuesday morning, but yeah, I think this would be a definite upgrade to the D tackle room uh, when they've made a lot of moves to that room throughout the off season already, but uh, they definitely need somebody else. And maybe Shelby Harris is that guy.
0: Yeah. You know, they, they de- they definitely need at least another guy. I'm not sure, if, you know, if it's gonna be Shelby Harris or Ionitis or, you know, whether it's somebody who gets cut from another team, uh, during training camp, you know, when the when the cut down. But I-, I fully expect them to bring in somebody else. Uh, just you know, with the the current you know chart that they have right now, um, you know, there's a lot of unproven uh, people there. You know, probably besides Dalvin Tomlinson. So. Um, You know, you would hope to maybe bring in another veteran guy and it would definitely help out uh, this defensive front uh, that they've really done a good job at retooling uh, this offseason. But, you know, they could always still make additions as well. Uh, Another next thing, uh, linebacker Matthew Adams is going to be out several weeks with a calf strain. Uh, He's a free agent that came over from Chicago in the offseason. Uh, but you know, on a depth chart, he's kind of, you know, back there behind, you know, the other linebackers like J.O.K., Walker, Phillips, Talkie. So, you know, those are the kinds of, um, you know, players that, you know, can't really afford to get hurt because they're on the bubble anyway. You know, they, they want to be out there as much as they can. Um, so, you know, it's looking like, you know, he might not be into, into plans, you know, come, um, you know. Final roster cut downs, but you know, hopefully he can get better and get out there in the preseason and, and maybe show something for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy that you know shined on special teams under Bubba Ventrone back in Indy. Uh, comes over obviously in the offseason, he was spent time with the Bears, but yeah, he's one of those guys that's on the roster bubble in the linebacker room. You mentioned it, he's in the back half of that room, you know. You have Walker, J O K, Sioni Taki Taki. And then I put him in that mix with Jacob Phillips, Tony Fields, Jordan Kananzik, uh Mohammed Diabante. And you know, Adams missing time with a calf injury, which calf injuries are starting to become a trend in the league. You know, we saw uh, the scary moment last week with Joe Burrow, which looked worse than a calf injury, but he's out for a couple of weeks with a calf strain. Uh Tampa's first round pick, Kalijah Canty, is out with a calf strain, and now uh, you know, Matthew Adams is going to miss some time with a calf injury. You know, you hope he gets back, you know, maybe him having that relationship with Ventron still gives him an inside track to make the roster, but you hope that he was going to be out there for the preseason. He's going to be a lot out at least the first couple preseason games. Um, definitely out the hall of fame game this coming week, but yeah, it's it hurts the linebacker depth a little bit, but now it gives other guys an opportunity to uh, showcase that they belong on the Browns roster here.
0: Uh, the next thing we're going to discuss, and and you know, th- uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be a big part of this, but in the early parts of the training camp here, uh, we've had a couple guys that have really uh, impressed uh, from a lot of videos that we've seen, and the media has been impressed as well. And the, the the first one is Elijah Moore. And, you know, when the Browns made a trade for him, we thought that this could be pretty exciting in Kevin Stefanski's offense. And from, you know, the early returns of what we've seen in training camp, and I, I know it's training camp, but you can't help but get excited when you see some of these videos and the stuff that him and Watson are doing together, um, the the routes that he's able to run that are so clean and crisp. Um, you know, he's a really a great route runner. And, you know, I I think this connection, you know, it's been budding all offseason. And I think we're going to see it a lot during the season. But I think Elijah Moore could maybe be the X factor of this offense. And with what they want to do, um, he's going to be somebody that these teams are going to have to game plan uh, for every single week. And with him showing up and showing out here in these first couple weeks of camp, I think that's really going to be a fun thing to watch as we get into the preseason. I'm not sure how much they'll really play, but as, and obviously when we get into the regular season as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, the early looks, I mean, when media members like Tony Grossi are getting excited about what Elijah Moore is doing on the field, you know, it's something special out there on that football field. And like you said, Anthony, he, the connection him and Watson have established since, you know, the moment the trade happened and the moment those guys were able to work together, it's just been an instant chemistry. It's been when Watson throws him the ball, Moore's catching it. And then he's doing what he needs to do as a great athlete that he is out on the football field, Uh, watching the battles that he's had with Denzel Ward uh, at seven on sevens and the 11 on 11 drills has been great to watch. Uh, You heard Juan Thornhill say iron sharpening iron. And that's what you're seeing when you're seeing, Elijah Moore go up against Denzel Ward who's one of the best corners in the league. And, you know, Moore's won some battles, Wards won some battles, but I think that's been like the, the basis of the first week of training camp is, you know, the offense has had their run. The defense has had their run, but that's the makings of a good team. You're not going to see the offense go out and flat out dominate the defense or the defense go out and dominate the offense. Like, They've, they're battling. And I think that's just going to make this team stronger. But you get to Elijah Moore. They're lining him up in a variety of ways. You can put him at the Z, the X, or the Y. They're even putting him in the backfield, which we saw in minicamp, but we didn't know how much they were going to use it. I think they're going to utilize it quite often this year. I think I had mentioned it during minicamp, the Debo Samuel comp and what he brings to San Fran. I think Elijah Moore can bring that to the Browns offense. And I just can't wait until September 10th when the games actually matter to see what exactly the Browns have in mind for Elijah Moore because you watch what happened in New York and Zach Wilson was missing him and it was astonishing. Like the arm talent that Zach Wilson had coming out of BYU and he seemed to not have any chemistry with Elijah Moore and it's the direct opposite in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. So everything looks great so far, but we got to get to September when the games really matter. But so far, so good for number eight.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, I know there's relationship damage there, but I wonder how much the Jets might be kicking themselves uh, down the road if he doesn't, you know, he didn't get to play with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't missing those throws. You know, I know he's older, but he still is not going to miss those throws. And, you know, he still has Garrett Wilson to throw to, which is still a pretty good target. Um, and I, I wonder if this chemistry with Elijah Moore, maybe – uh Amari Cooper not being out there has kind of been a blessing a little bit uh, to help them build this connection that they've had. Amari's been out with a, a hamstring issue, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe this has been a good blessing for the Browns uh, because I don't really think Amari needs a lot to, to get ready. Uh, I think he knows his offense already. So, you know, having Elijah Moore out there with Watson getting as many reps as you can uh, is only going to be as super beneficial going down the road. Another guy building a connection uh, with Watson is David Njoku. And I am excited to think about that because the the Njoku causes so many mismatched problems with defenses. You know, it's hard to put a linebacker on him. Uh, It's hard to put a safety on him with how big and physical he is. So, you know, you definitely can't put a corner on him. Um, So I I think that if Watson and Njoku can build a solid connection, this offense can really reach some untapped potential here. And, you know, with the other guys, you have to pay attention to Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore that we just talked about, Nick Chubb, you know, Diamond People's Jones. uh, You know, if we get Marquise Goodwin back at some point, you know, you have to respect that speed as well. Um, You know, there's certainly a spot here for Najoku to have a really big season, uh, you know, with that connection with Deshaun Watson and, you Know the, the farther they get along, you hope that they can build that. And they paid Najoku for a reason, uh, because they believe that there's this potential there that he could be one of the top tight ends, uh, in the NFL. And I think that connection, uh, and that possibility could you could start to see that this year, uh, with Deshaun Watson thrown to him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, Deshaun Watson's always had a good rapport with his tight ends going back to Jordan Aikens. And- um, I'm trying to think there was another tight end who, down there in who, Houston.
0: Who's also a member of the Browns now. Akins. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately he's out with, uh, I think some kind of leg injury and they're just keeping him out to let him rest and heal, which I think is good. You don't want to rush these guys back out there to get them ready for week one, but he's always had a good report. Darren Fells was the other tight end, obviously who was the playmaker here during Baker's rookie year back in 2018. But Watson's always had a good connection with the tight ends. And that was, you know, brought Browns fans hope because we've always said the has got the potential. This is the year he's going to break out. I think 2023 is finally going to be that year. He had a solid year last year with Jacoby Brissett and, uh, Watson towards the end of the season. But I think this is going to finally be the year. And I'm really hoping this year is the I'm right about this one. Cause I think we've been saying it for like five or six years now on the podcast, but I think it was Sunday. It was either Saturday or Sunday. The One of the last couple days in Greenbrier. Najoku ran a seam route. And when you watch the beginning of the clip, it looks like J.O.K. is going to pick it off. And all of a sudden, Najoku, who sometimes we forget is 6'5, 260 pounds, just snatched the ball, ran into the end zone. And he's made a couple big plays uh, in training camp, but that one sticks out just because you think that J.O.K. is about to make an interception. And then, you know, Najoku towers over him just a little bit and, and gets the ball and just effortlessly marches into the end zone. So, you would hope Najoku is finally going to be that guy. You know, the injury bugs bit him a couple times, but I really think 2023 with so much focus on the wide receivers, we tend to forget that we paid Najoku like a top five tight end. And I think this is finally going to be the year where he starts producing as such.
0: Yeah. That, that contract's looking even better and better with some of the other ones that have gone out. You know, the, the bears gave Cole Komet, uh a contract that was even more than Najoku. So, you know, that's, that's starting to look pretty, pretty valuable. And you, know, you talk about these connections and you, you hope that, you know, over the rest of the preseason here. And now the starters obviously aren't going to be out there a whole lot, but you know, getting some game reps in is going to be important. And it's, it's important for them to capitalize on those, uh, when they get in there. I I know Deshaun's first preseason game last year, he had, what, like two series, um, and, uh, the, the center got hurt on the first one, Nick Harris. Uh, so it kind of really threw a wrench into everything uh, that they were trying to do. But uh, this this preseason is going to be important. I'm not sure. they Did they talk about if they're going to play on Thursday night at all? Maybe one series or not? It's going to be the
1: DTR and Kellen show, okay. from my understanding. Well,
0: you know, I'm fine with watching DTR. I'm excited to, to watch that. Uh, and, you know, it'll be important for guys like... Uh, you know Anthony Schwartz to be out there. Who Cedric
1: Tillman, Yeah, Cedric Tillman. There's a Dave, lot of guys. Young guys. David
0: Bell. So it's going to be important to watch those guys out there. And you know it was nice to see Anthony Schwartz make a nice catch over the weekend. Um, you know stepping up in good Goodwin's absence at the moment. Uh, thankfully he's out on the field. Uh, it didn't take him too long to get out there. So it's, it's good to see him there. Um, so it's important for Harrison Bryant is another guy. Uh, you know, who needs to see some more reps as well. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. We'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow, but um, and and the hall of fame game on Thursday, but uh, you know, it's going to be a a fun time. And I think these connections are going to be fun to watch. Now on the other side of the ball, you mentioned one Thornhill earlier talking about uh, iron on iron sharpening. And one of those guys is Denzel Ward and, Early on, um, there's a great clip uh, over the weekend, and we might have to share it when we put out this podcast, so people know what we're talking about. But there's a great clip of him doing a one on one with uh, Elijah Moore that you know Moore one right down by the goal line. Uh, I would have bet ninety nine out of a hundred times Denzel was going to pick that off, but somehow Elijah came up with that ball uh, on that throw there. But you know, I'm excited to see Denzel, and I, and I think. He's probably a guy who was also really excited that Jim Schwartz came to the Browns because, in his uh, defense history, they play a lot of man-to-man coverage because they like to rush so many guys and do different things. That um, you know, if you have guys that are good in man-to-man coverage, uh, the rest of the team can succeed. And and I think that Denzel is really going to love that. Welcome to the challenge and the other corners too. But um, you know, Denzel having a really positive start to. Uh, this season, uh, so far in training camp, I-, I think is really important for for this Browns defense. Yeah, definitely. I
1: think it was, um, you know, I went back and looked. Uh, Ward spoke with the media last week, like when they just got to Greenbrier, and they said he likes the coaching style that Jim Schwartz brings and ones that like he holds him accountable. And he said it, it, they needed somebody to tell us when we're doing good and what we're doing bad. And that's, and so they can focus on stuff and then he he said he dislikes schwartz because he's blunt tells him like it is uh and it i think this is a big year for denzel ward you know he got paid I think was it was last year or the year before last year he struggled and then there was i think a lot of the issues going on on the defensive side And and denzel seems to be a quiet guy and you know there's that whole thing about leadership and you know who's going to the cornerstones of the franchise need to step up. And I just don't think you're going to get that out of guys like miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, but that's why they brought in the likes of Juan Thornhill and Rodney McLeod and bringing back Anthony Walker. Cause those guys are the leaders on the defensive side of the ball. Ward and miles like to lead by example. And you know, you, you send, you've seen that so far throughout training camp, but yeah, I just think this is a big year for Ward. He's got to start living up to the contract. He's got to stay healthy. Um, I think he's when he's on, he's one of the best corners in the game. Uh, But he, that's the only thing you just got to stay available and you got to stay healthy. But I just think this defense is tailor made for guys like Denzel Ward and Greg Newsome and, and even Martin Emerson, which we were kind of wondering how he was going to perform. He's having a good start early on in camp. I know that they're rotating guys inside and outside. And I think that's what Schwartz likes in his defense is a lot of versatility, Um, so I'm excited to see what Denzel Ward does. I, we, we know the talents there. I think this is the right scheme for him. And I think he's going to take maybe a step forward and hopefully get back to that top 10 or I think he's still top 10, but I think maybe he takes a step forward in this defense and gets to that top five status, which I think we all know the talents there. He just has to put it all together.
0: Yeah. The the talent is definitely there and you're right. You know, and I think that uh, with a coordinator like Jim Schwartz, I, I think it could really unlock that next level of Denzel Ward. And we talked about that too with Miles uh, as well. So I think things are really positive uh, for those two guys. Um, you know, the rest of the defensive backs as well. You know, the linebackers, you know, we, we talked about them uh, a bit and, and we're there's still question marks there. But, you know, those guys might be able to roam around pretty freely uh, in this defense as well. And make some plays, so uh, that could definitely be a positive impact for them. But you're definitely right about Denzel needing to get back on track, of uh, living up to that contract that they gave him. Um, I won't approach the thought that I have in my head at the moment. We'll we'll do that another time. <laughs> uh, but I uh, did
1: hear. I just wanted to add real quick because you just said playing more freely. Jeremiah Lusukoramoa emphasized that when he talked to the media. Uh, he said he had to do a lot of thinking. In the, the previous defense, the last couple of years. Um, but he said he likes that Schwartz just lets them play more free and you know, tells them specifically in this game what they have to do. I I think that's better overall for this defense that you have a specific role, you go do it. It doesn't need to be too complex. You just like for Ward, you're a man-to-man corner, you're just, you're gonna go one-on-one against the best guy, and it's not I mean, you just got to go out and do your job. And I feel like that's going to improve this defense overall. You don't have to be too complex in a specific scheme like Joe Woods potentially was because obviously we weren't in the room. We don't know too much. But the fact that, you know, JOK seems to be um, more loose and more focused to go out and do his job in Schwartz's scheme than it was at Joe Woods' scheme, I think that speaks volumes to the direction this defense is going in
0: 2023. Yeah, JOK with a much more added weight as well. Uh was, Yeah, he came in and healthier, because
1: yeah. he, um, you know, revealed that he had a Liz Frank injury, which, I mean, for as much crap as we and other people gave him last year, that's a difficult injury to play through, and he played through it up until the point he couldn't, and he had to go and get it fixed in the offseason, or he let it heal on his own, i me correct myself, he let it heal on his own, he didn't get surgery, but that's a pretty tough injury for, any, for anybody, and the fact that he tried to play through it uh speaks volumes, but yeah, JOK putting some weight on, you know, changing maybe a bit to his diet because I know he's a vegan, but yeah, this is going to be a big year for him. It's a big year for a lot of different players on this team, both sides of the ball, so uh, but JOK refocused, re-energized. Hopefully this is the year he uh, gets back on track.
0: One more quick point about playing freely, you know, that when you have a lot of talent on your defense and, and offense too, when you have guys that are extremely talented like Denzel Ward, like uh, Miles Garrett, uh, like um, Tomlinson, you know, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles on your defense. They could line up out there and and win because of pure talent. And I, I think that with Jim Schwartz as your defensive coordinator, you know, you could definitely unlock that more and allow these guys to go out there and really showcase their talent. Um, you know. By minimizing the the things that they have to do on a, on a play to play basis, so I think that this it's great that they were able to find him. We'll see if it translates. Uh, you know, hopefully, this defense is a lot better this year, so uh, we'll we'll learn and find out about that. Uh, the last thing we want to discuss uh, before we get on out of here is you know we know training camp can get a little bit chippy at times, and it it looked like it was a, a fun thing, but it turned into a little. Um, a little heated moment. Uh, there's a small little scuffle, uh, I'll say, between uh, James Hudson and Agbo Okoranko uh, the other day. And, you know, these things happen when you're going up against each other in training camp all, all week. It's hot. Uh, You know, it, it seemed like, you know, Agbo was just kind of messing around with Hudson and he took it the wrong way. Uh, I was listening to uh, Nick Wilson and Dustin Fox earlier and uh, Wilson, had a great line about saying, don't mess with fat guys in heat, uh, you know, you, you don't want to do that as, as a fat guy. I can attest to that as well. So, um, you know, th- these things are going to happen. I'm sure, you know, when they do those joint practices with Philly, you'll, you'll see some, some scuffles as well. Uh, it, it just happens. And you know, when you're playing, going up against the same guys day after day, it's hot, you have all the pads on and everything, you're ready to hit somebody else and I know they get to do that on Thursday. uh but should there be any concern for you know what we saw uh transpire between that? No, I don't think
1: so. I think um first of all it was just you know it was so funny because you just you see a like smack him in the head and then he just takes off running. And one of the other things and it was so funny because Jake Burns and a couple other people pointed it out it was you look in the background and Miles Garrett just obliterates Jed Wills. And I got into a discussion yesterday where people like really started hampering on Jed Wills. And I'm like, I would be more concerned if Miles was getting shut down by Jed Wills than Jed Wills getting obliterated by Miles Garrett. Like, we expect that. Miles is a multi time all pro. Jed has been an average offensive lineman. But all of a sudden, you see Hudson just go after Okaranko. And I think he was joking. I mean, hopefully, and he even tweeted, Okorongo did he goes it got really hot It was really heated out there today And you just see Hudson go in and punch him Now I never understand football players Punching people while they have helmets on Like it's always been the most Baffling thing because that's how broken hands Or broken fingers end up happening Um but yeah I think it was just the heat Of the moment uh it sounded like the players Were ready to get back to Cleveland And continue work in Berea And I think it just it got a little heated Stefanski made him run some gassers Um which I like that, you know, you got to blow the steam off somehow. You just do a couple runs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just the heat of the moment. Um, I think we all can laugh about it and you know, the players huddled up after the gassers and took a family photo and hit the road back to Berea. So, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things these fights happen. Like the Jets had two fights their first day of training camp, uh which I'm sure will be on Hard Knocks next week when that premieres, but mm-hmm. Yeah, these things happen in training camp. It's no harm, no
0: foul. Yeah, I think there was one with uh, Travis Kelsey and one of the linebackers in Kansas City. And he punched
1: day. two people that day.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I think he,
1: with as hot as it's been across the country, uh, the blood's going to boil and emotions are going to run high and things are going to happen. But well, I just, it's nothing to worry about.
0: Maybe it'll make preseason. Let's watch then, you know, with these guys ready to get out there, and get ready to hit.
1: Very well could be. we'll
0: we'll, we'll find out on Thursday. That's for sure. Definitely. Uh, Before we get it out of here, I know we covered the Browns and we talk a lot of football, but there was one minor baseball thing that happened today. And it has definitely caused uh, a fun reaction. And that is uh, the guardians traded Aaron Savale to the Tampa Bay Rays uh, for a, a first base prospect. I can't remember his name at the moment. I'm sure you'll tell me in a second, but uh, the reaction has been that uh, the Guardians are punting on the season. To use a football term for our podcast. Um, I, I I don't believe that. I think they sold high on a pitcher who, when I look at him, I see maybe like Josh Tomlin. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're lucky that he's, ha- he's overperforming this year and he's not on the injured list. And I think this is going to really work out for the Guardians, you know, down the road. And I still think that they'll, they have a really good shot at winning the division this year. Um what's what's your take on this on this trade that the the guardians in the front office made today? Yeah, so they got I,
1: I just had the name and I lost it. Um Kevin nope Kyle Manzardo, who's the 37th ranked prospect in baseball, he was fourth in the race system. He's now third behind Valera and I think it's Gavin Williams. He's still the number one ranked prospect or something like that. But, you know, the Guardians sold high, like you said, on Savali, um, who's always on the injured list and will probably go on there again. I think he just did a recent a stint during the season and then came back and had a phenomenal last six-week run. So the Guardians sold him at peak value. He's got a couple years left to control. It is what it is. I do not understand, you know, for the, for the fans and the media, who been bickering for the guardians to make some kind of move you know they make a move to acquire a bat maybe not for this year but for the long term uh continuing this run of guardians baseball that's gone on for the last decade but then you want to say you're punting on the season when you still have a plethora of prospects who you can flip for a starting pitcher tomorrow that can help this team uh Noah Syndergaard's thrown three scoreless innings so far as of this as Four. of this recording or Okay, four scoreless innings. That's pretty good. I mean, I'm not expecting him to do that the rest of the way, but this gives you some hope that they found a guy that can eat some innings up here down the stretch uh, 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 to help help the young arms.
0: Against Houston, too, so far. Yeah,
1: against Houston, who's still a contender, even though they're having somewhat of a down year. They're starting to get hot. They might be getting Justin Verlander back, but I don't understand the media that wanted the Guardians to make moves, now made moves. For the, for the betterment of the team, because Savali was probably going to get hurt again to join Mackenzie and Bieber, I, I just don't get it. I don't. I know that they have to make these sticking points for clicks or views or whatever, and you know sometimes you know we say things, Anthony and it, it, it probably helps us in the getting clicks and views too. But I just don't understand like why people bicker about this stuff. Like I understand it's talking points and all that, but it's can we see how the rest of the season goes before you want to start panicking about what the guardians did or didn't do if they hadn't traded Savali and he got hurt, like in his next start, the fans and the media would have said, well, why didn't they trade him when they had the opportunity
0: at the deadline? So, yeah, you, you can't win either way, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, the guy that got back is, you know, projected to, you know, hit around 300 when he does come up to the majors. He's just flying through the, Uh, He flew through the race system. He was a first round pick a couple years ago. I think it was. Um, Yeah. He's having
1: a down year this year and he's dealing with a shoulder injury right now, but the dude can rake by all scouting reports and everything. So
0: I think the quote I saw is he's more likely to hit like 50 doubles than he is to hit like 30 home runs, which is perfectly fine because if you, if you look at this lineup and I'm not going to factor like Josh bell in here because he, I don't think he's going to, he might not be here after tomorrow, but I don't expect right. him to, you know, be here for the long term. But if you, if your lineup is Stephen Kwan who gets on base, Andres Jimenez who gets on base, you know Jose who can get on base or, or drive people in, Josh Naylor, and then uh, what's his name again? I'm sorry, <laughs> um, M- man, Manzaro. Manzaro, uh, I'll I'll remember it. But if you put him after those guys. Uh, there's definitely gonna be a lot of opportunities for him to drive in runs if he's a guy who's gonna hit 300 and drive people in with doubles. So uh, it's only gonna make the lineup longer. You know, I know he's a prospect. He could turn into into Matt Laporta for all we know. Uh, we just don't know yet. And but you don't know with Savali who's having a career year at the moment. You know if he's gonna regress or not. I they must think that he will. Uh, the Rays seem to capitalize on uh, a lot of players that they get and are able to help them, so I'm sure he'll be decent and fine for them. Uh, you know, but you know, Savali is already what 29 years old, I think. Two years left before he's a yeah. free agent. so you know, like he's already you know approaching the the the, the downside, uh, if you will. So uh, I think this was a good move for him uh, for the long term. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that, but. Um, I think this will help them out. And how about that full face turn that I did here? Uh, Hey,
1: I know you've been down on the guardians for a long time, but to see you uh, pumped about a trade that they
0: made, uh, it was a good sight to see. Well, if they quit making moves that pissed me off, you know, that that certainly doesn't
1: listen. I, I, am a casual guardians fan, but I give Antonetti and that front office, the benefit of the doubt, because more times than not, they have made good trades to help this franchise. I know people are down because Will Benson's shining in Cincinnati and Nolan Jones was playing well in Colorado. And um, I forget the dude. He's like a top 10 prospect in baseball. I think he's with Tampa, uh, junior Candelero or something like that. Like, I understand, like, there's been some moves that have been head scratchers, but more times than not, you think about the Clevenger trade, the Bauer trade, the Kluber trade. And you, there's other countless trades that they've made more times than not. This front office has gotten it right. Free agency is a whole nother story. They, they took swings this past offseason and they did not pan out well, but I will give Antonetti and then the benefit of the doubt more times than not.
0: Yeah. The, the Cooper one actually worked out because they did get Class A in return, but that was another one where, you know, they should have traded him the year before they did. Um, and they probably would have been able to get more. Now I know they got Class A, but you know, you you wonder what they maybe could have gotten if they would have traded him a year beforehand. Um, you know, before he started to really go downhill there. And uh, I I think that's going to happen this winter with Shane Bieber. And I, uh,
1: I it, probably if the guard like fans are going to think we're going to get a lot for him, but his numbers tend to f- say otherwise. They'll probably get a small return,
0: but maybe Anthony finds another gem. If he comes back um, for that last last month or so, I think he's out till at least like September 9th or something in that, that yeah. first week of September. But if he comes back and has a strong September, I think that'll really help, um, you know, those trade talks over the winter if they do decide to have those. Um, Possibly. So. And I think we'll,
1: that's the other. I think that's the other thing. Real quick, uh, I don't think they make this move if they don't feel hope that. Bieber, McKenzie, and even Kyle Quantrill, which I know that's a whole other discussion for another day. They got to have some hope that at least two, maybe one of those guys along with Syndergaard will help this rotation because the young guys are reaching their innings limits. So I think they got to have some hope, unless they have another trade down the pipeline, which Antonetti kind of hinted that they might. They got to feel good about some of the guys coming back from injury uh, to help in the stretch run.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, they're, they're, the division is still right there for them to to take it if they want. Minnesota doesn't seem to have any interest in, in running away with this thing. So, um, you know, the guardians definitely have a chance, uh, to, to make some, some noise again. Um, and I don't know what you're talking about that. We don't make hot takes on this, that we make hot takes on this podcast. So, you know, <laughs> we, 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 never go out there and say ridiculous things like, um, you know, I think if Denzel has a good year, they should explore trading him uh, after the season. Uh that was oh don't pod. worry.
1: I, uh, I got a hot take uh that I'm saving until the season predictions. Uh I'm
0: i j- I'm just gonna hold on to it right now. If it involves the S word, don't you dare say it on this podcast. No, it's close. It's close to the S word. Okay. But I won't be screaming it like Ken Carmen and Lima. So we are mean. we are not allowed to say that on this podcast. <laughs> uh, uh until until we make the playoffs. We are not allowed to say it. So um let's let's get to the playoffs first all right is there anything you wanted to talk about anything more before we shut this down and get on out of here and i could go to bed with my legs killing me
1: no no i'm good because i'm ready to go to bed as well because i got work in the morning
0: all right with that we're gonna get on out of here uh we'll probably be back tomorrow to uh preview uh the hall of fame game on thursday night against the new york jets uh you know unfortunately Aaron Rodgers probably won't be out there either but you know that's besides the point
1: Zach Wilson, baby.
0: Uh, <laughs> that, should, that should be fun. Uh, Zach Wilson versus DTR. I'm sure that happened at some point in college, right? BYU and uh, UCLA. Um, I'll have to go back and look. We'll see. I'll let you know that one. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll. It should be uh interesting to watch DTR. I'm excited for that. Uh, but with all that, we're gonna get on out of here. Be sure to follow Jack on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. At Jack McCurry 8 be sure to give me a follow at Anthony AnthonyJokey. Uh, you can follow the Dogland on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads all at the same handle. Uh, with that, you all have a good night, and most importantly, go Browns.